Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, uneven, mm. an uneven episode upcoming. Okay. We haven't recorded it yet, but I feel already an uneven energy because we're representative of the Nets. Uh, we're going to talk about what we've seen in the first three games so far this season on the one and two Brooklyn Nets. And Brian was live in the I arena, in the clays, as we're calling it now. Are we? Yeah. Mm. Um, mm. We'll explain that, too. Right. Brian was there. Uh, he had a protest. He was I was in there. I was yeah. I was <laughs> I was leading the charge. I had the I had the bats in the backpack. And before we get started, this podcast is brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more directtv.com. This is Mike here. Say hello, hello, Brian. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself behind that paywall at TheAthletic.com slash GlueGuys. I think it's 33% off an annual subscription. This is the time you want to be in. If you're a fantasy basketball player, fantasy football player, a lot of good content. If you actually like to read about regular basketball, Ooh. regular football, The Athletic's the place to be. Brian. So great to be with you. Uh, the 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 glow of the anti vaxxers is shining off of you as we speak. How is it? Do, am I glowing? I did get. You're back. glowing. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, the nets are back, Mike. You forgot to mention. Oh, the nets are. Well, they uh, yeah. are they. Yeah. Hard to say. Question. Um. Well, I went to the Barclays yesterday. The Clays. I was at the Clays. Clays, Brian. Do you want to hear what my experience is like? Yes. I'll start from the beginning. You know, so we've been going to the Barclays Center for a it's while. It's going to be like, a real Hunter S. Thompson <laughs> experience, isn't it? Let me get my, like, what do you like a cigarette holder into the... Anyways, I, yeah. I've i been going to the Barclays for a while. And before that, to East Rutherford, to to Newark. Um, this was a weird game, Mike. It was a weird It was a weird time to, to go to the Barclays. Yeah. It's a weird time to be alive. And it was... You know what it was like? Um, you know in uh, Harry Potter where... Um, where he's like, he wants to go to Diagon Alley, and he goes to Diagon Alley, Diagon Alley, and he, it's like all like kind of distorted and weird. That's sort. Of, I went to like the weird, the like <laughs> the weird Barclays Center. I was walking up because it's not the normal Barclays. It was like I cast the wrong spell. I went to the to the Barfley Center. It was Barfley out there. That was, Ooh, <laughs> I went to nice. the Barfley Center. Nice, Brian. You yeah. can work for the Daily News. Yeah. Good for you. Um, it was just, yeah, it was like I suddenly got transported into, it was like that, uh, it was, yeah, everyone's all like, hello, puppet, you know, <laughs> that, was, that, was the, that was the vibe. But yeah, and then I, we we went right up to the front I mean, door. I just real quick, the hello, puppet is like some creepy British guy 
with yeah. like yellow teeth and long fingernails. It's, like it's, saying, it's, an, it's an extra in in any of the in a Pirates of the Caribbean movie, or it was sure. just you know everyone's just sort of kind of glassy eyed and up to no good. You can, I don't know, you know that kind of that kind of energy. Yeah, <clears throat> and. Uh, sure. <laughs> and and uh and anyways yeah we like we went up to the front door and like right as we were trying to go in is when that whole riffraff actually happened like i we like we were literally like about to like walk in and then i actually saw like the foot race that basically decided the fate of that day some some like <laughs> usher guy like so by the hair on his nuts made it to the door before like that guy did and it like if, if that guy had gone through, it would have, I think you may have a totally different situation on your hands, like day over, uh, maybe game situation. Like it would just, like, I mean, it would have floated through an, another cinematic, uh, comparison point. It's like if Darth Vader had in fact had right. gotten the plans from princess Leia at the beginning of new hope, we wouldn't have had dude. That's exactly right. Movies. It was, it was literally that guy was like, take it, take it. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming. And then, uh, but that guy, luckily, like Vader, didn't make it uh, into that into that escape shuttle thing. Um, so what happened? I, I didn't see the, I just saw the video of the people rioting outside. Uh, or, oh, yeah. I don't know, protesting. So they were, pro- it started with a protest. And then, like, basically at, like, 3.15, like, they started, like, opening up the doors to get, well, they had the doors open and, like, normal you know, audience ticket people were just kind of going in. And at one point, like those, the barricades actually were a, a really bad idea because, you know, all the ushers are just, they're just guys, you know, they're no, they're not superheroes. They're just, you know, time card punching sons of guns. And meanwhile, like the protesters were like, you know, pretty like, you know, the, the kind of guys that can hurdle over one of these things pretty easily. So well, was there someone with a bat in there? Yeah, there was a guy, there was a guy with two bats in his backpack who just like, easily you know just hurtled over those things and like a bunch of other people followed and then meanwhile like the ushers who can't get over the things are like on the other side of it and so there was like a little slow motion foot race with one of these like overweight ushers who got like thankfully got to the door uh just before this guy and then they all start pounding in like Astra's a guy. Sorry, this is like a whole podcast about. That. I don't know. We should probably get to basketball soon, but we will. Uh, we will. Yeah. <laughs> There's a guy. Like I was like, who was running up? Who was running with a stroller? Like a with a new like a baby, <laughs> shouting in the microphone. I was like, dude, your risk assessment filtration system is all. <laughs> Was there an live child in there? There's a live baby. And meanwhile, there's guys like bouncing around those like 80 pound guardrail things like right next to your baby. I was like, dude, your baby, you gotta get your baby out of here. What is going on? (laughs) How big was the crowd? I couldn't. Um, It was hard to kind of tell because, uh, well, there was like two like converging forces and the second force came in like, like, like a bat out of hell. So like it started out with like basically the sort of kind of Trump content, like MAGA contingent, like that were just kind of like on the outside. And then uh, right as we were coming, they just got bombarded by like what it seems like a totally different group who like just came in like ready to raise hell. Um, I don't know. That could have been part of the same thing, but like it just seemed like they came from the other side, like to storm, storm the castle um, <laughs> and, and not much else. But anyways, we quickly were like, let's just go around to the other side. Uh, and, and I did do that. And we got, we walked in with Michael Rappaport. We went to the Michael Rappaport entrance. Oh, oh. He, yeah. <laughs> good for you. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. guess that's, that's better. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I, I, I'm interested in what your assessment of was Kyrie there? <laughs> was Kyrie with his people? Or Kyrie, was Kyrie people? was not there. He was, he could have been playing touch football, but, um, we haven't heard yet. Who knows? Who knows where he is? 
Are you, uh, are you reading about it? Are you getting, getting breaking? No, sorry. Um, there's just a, just text from Samantha Havis. Yeah. Um, the wife. Um, wow. I mean, it is so odd. I mean, obviously Barclay Center has been like throughout the pandemic and then through well, like there's been a lot of protests outside Barclays. It's almost kind of been like a nice thing that Barclays has been like this congregation point mm. for New York City. Yeah. You know, we're like if you did that in front of I mean, you couldn't do that in front of the garden because the gardens obviously sits on top of Penn Station, which is monitored by, you know, like Homeland Security. So you couldn't couldn't do that where Barclays is is a community arena. Mm-hmm. It's in the community. It's right by a donut shop. That's, That's perfect. Right. I mean, so is technically Madison Square Garden, but there's a donut shop everywhere. They got they got them all um, over the place, those donuts. I just I'm just like blown away by like, do you think that this display has any impact on Kyrie Irving? Like, do you think like, he mentioned in his Instagram live feed that, you know, like there are people like kind of uh, trying to pull me into their political views and like, I'm not about that. But do you think he sees any of this and says, man, I'm really giving the people that he probably doesn't uh, fully love like a lot of a lot of energy? Yeah. He's fanning the flames. <laughs> you know, Do you think there's any part of him that do- says that? I, I don't know that he has that level of introspection. And like here, you know what was the, the most important part of the experience, Mike, was when I actually got inside of the Barclays Center, um, I completely forgot about those people. I just went and like went and sat in my seat and watched basketball like I had for 20 years. And it was and I completely forgot about them. And then when I left, they were gone. And that's that's the like sort of lesson to take from it. Like when they were actually doing the whole thing, you know, the vast majority of the people were just sort of like watching them spurg out on, you know, at, at the Barclays Center. And most of them like just kind of like filming them with their phones and ever and they were trying to like rally more buy in from like the standards. But they're like, why aren't you angry with us? And we just kind of watched them like they were an exhibit at the, like it was like an otter. You know, it was like, the, oh, the otters are being funny today. Like, that's weird. And then, <laughs> and then we went and we watched basketball and they buggered off. And that was it. That was the last I thought, like hadn't thought about them until just now when we started podcasting. And that's um, sort of my my big takeaway. I was like, oh, they didn't matter that much. Like they made a bit no, bunch of, of noise, not, right? <laughs> they made a bunch yeah, of noise. Like, of course, they and then matter. they like, fucked off, and that was it. I'm just glad. Like you know how typically for the first game of the season, a lot of local broadcasts will do like they'll do a live pregame show from outside the arena or something, right? Mm-hmm. They'll try to get sort of the college football pregame show energy. And I mean, part of me kind of wishes there was a yes crew outside in that. Sp- Spot right in front of Barclays, yeah. Where then there could have just been a crazy scene boiling behind them, right? Of the security guards trying to hold the fort, trying to Gandalf saying, "You shall not pass." To <laughs> just just Sarah Kustak being the last line of defense. Um, I I feel yeah. like Sarah Kustak would be a pretty good last line of defense. Yeah, amongst sh- I, I would take it the, for sure. The yes crew, I yeah. would I would put Kustak over many of the many of her other brethren. I gotta tell you though, um, it does, to answer your question more directly though, yeah. I like I don't know what Kyrie thinks or does or whatever, but I gotta think like <clears throat> if he does catch one of it, it's like, dude, how am I gonna go back to work with all this stuff going? Like, how can you like if you had a job and and part of your job like somehow you started like a bunch of people who were like shouting out that outside of it that like or like just <laughs> like I, I guess I'd, how do you how do you come back from this like what is going to happen next here with with this situation um i don't know like are you worried that there it's a 
point if this, of no return. If this com- if this keeps coming up, if, if like every home game, there's some version of this. Like, uh, what? Yeah, we're, like, is he going to be more dug in, or like, do do they at some point just like, dude, like, I don't even want like this is so so much riffraff, like it's just too much. This is too toxic. Like, like your whole deal is too toxic. You're too nuclear right now to be on the premises in any condition. Well, I, I'm I always revert to like typically when I try to think of like you know people have conspiracy theories about the government. You know, and they think they're controlling all these vast different things and all that stuff. I always revert back to, I don't know if it's like Occam's razor or whatever, but basically like people are lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a Sunday. It was a lovely Sunday afternoon and it, it, it allowed the protesters. They had the day off. They had the day to ready to go anti-vax their way in yeah. front of Barclays. When it's a Tuesday night in, you know, when with freezing rain outside pummeling them. Mm. And there's the the local commute driving and honking. Those protesters aren't going to be there, right? Fair. I mean, but every but every weekend day are they going to be there? Is that the is that the conceit? <laughs> yeah, it's the weekend plan. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the ticket plan you can buy at Barclays, <laughs> right. like just weekend games, and it's only the Hornets, right? Um, <laughs> right. So let's this is let's get to basketball, yeah. Ryan. Please. Um, so as we sit here, the Nets are one and two. They had a, a pretty ugly loss against the Milwaukee Bucks to start the season. Uh, they played against the 76ers in a game that I feel buoyed by. I'm personally buoyed, but you're not buoyed as I was, much. I was less buoyed by that. I'm interested and now to hear the Hornets your... game. Yeah, the the horn they had the lead on the Hornets for most of the game, and then vomited, vomited on themselves. They did um, mom spaghetti. You were, <laughs> you were in the the clays. Uh, it's in the Barfly Center. Yeah. <laughs> um, how? What was your assessment? What was your in arena game take from what you just witnessed? What's wrong with the Nets? It's Brian. weird. It's funny because it's harder to kind of actually have like good insights when you actually go to the game. It's more of a you're, you're feeling a vibe situation. So I have less like input as to why um, we actually like lost that one than I do the Sixers situation. Um, sure, but. Yeah, I mean, let's just, I mean, let's start with the Sixers because that was an, like for me, like a more, maybe, the, maybe we'll have some, some manufactured tension here. Uh, because I actually felt like we stole that game and played pretty crummy throughout. Um, and it seems to be like the case that, um, we're having a hard time manufacturing offense, Mike, for this for this offensive force here. Hundred um, there's an, there's a weird issue there. Um, and it's not for a lack of, Talented offensive players, Mike. So what's going on? What? Where is our consistent offense coming from? Um, so the Nets are struggling. They, they scored 95 points against the Hornets. And the Hornets are like a good team. Like, I think we're going to learn. We're going to have these moments maybe like in three weeks from now when people are like, the Hornets. You know, like they're the surprise. I think they'll be the surprise team, at least the Eastern Conference, if not the entire NBA. Like, you just look. They're pretty talented, right? Like, yeah, they're young and you know, they're not amazing, but they have a decent, I mean, LaMelo ball is like I'm in love with, even if he can be inefficient in some games, like I just love his impact on the game. Miles Bridges, fantasy basketball pick by I've, your boy. I've, I've, I've got him in both my leagues, Mike. I've doubled down. Yeah. I've doubled down. He's always felt like a guy who's like, he's an uncommon player in the NBA because he was talented coming into college, super talented in college, but like didn't fully put it together gets into the pros and it actually just like slowly improves each and every year. And typically like guys aren't given the space to just slowly improve, but he's done that. Um, But what's wrong with the nets 
I hate to be so reductive. Mm. James Harden? I'm, he's supposed to be the fifth best player in the NBA or whatever. And it's three games in, and I'm not sounding any alarms. There's no alarms being sounded. But he is not playing up to the level that he did when he got to the Nets last season when he was out of shape. And part of his issue is right now, and part of my concern, is that he's like, when he played, came over, he was playing point guard, but I think he was really more, he had much more of a control of the game. Like, there'd be times when, like, he was like, I'm not going to score right now, I'm just going to distribute, and then I'm going to amp it up and try to score. Now, and I think it's because of the rule change, he doesn't get to the free throw line. <laughs> he got to the free throw line once in in the Hornets game. He was one for one from the free throw line. That is like such an oddity in mm. in the most recent career of James Harden. <clears throat> and I'm like, now we can talk a lot about the rule, but if James Harden's not getting the foul calls that he always did, which I don't think he will, <laughs> it does diminish who James Harden is. Like, I almost think that's a bigger deal than Kyrie not being with the team, at least right now. Like, I, I let me look at James Harden's, like, per-game stats, but I'm pretty sure none of the games so far this year, he's really had, like, a, a great free throw. He's only taken three free throw attempts per game this year. Yeah, I mean, I think my... Last year, it was, like, ten. It's <laughs> a dramatic difference. My feeling on it is that, like, I don't know that it's the rule difference that's ultimately, like, what's, what's happened here, because I haven't seen him, like... I, I mean, we talked about it a little bit last year that he, like, he he had kind of stopped doing the the cheesy the cheese moves uh quite a bit last year. Um I just don't see him like his usage just doesn't feel right. Like I don't feel like he like his impact offensively like I used to and I think that the downstream the trickle down economics of that Mike or that right, you don't yeah. they don't the economics are you don't go to the free throw line that much. So I I mean I would I'm interested in the idea that it's like a <clears throat> due to the rule change but I would say like overall I haven't seen him do the the hardened things so um well, but what yeah. i think it is i'm not even saying yeah so i agree with you like his play on the court he's not doing like so trey young really took the mantle from james harden harden but harden like was still manipulating defenders and getting fouls in an, uh, in a, an obscene way but because of what he was in his past refs are just are not are not giving him anything because he like the spotlights on him. If you're going to make this rule change, even if he's not acting poorly in terms of like sh throwing his body into defenders and taking off a shot refs to make a point via the NBA, the NBA is telling refs, let's not give Harden. Like don't, don't give him a bunch of fouls. Like if you don't see a foul directly, don't give him a foul. Like mm -hmm. don't allow him to go to the free throw line <laughs> 10 times a game. By just guessing. Because what would happen, like, for years was like, basically, like, refs were guessing that he was getting fouled. Yeah. And he was kind of getting fouled. But, like, really, he was just manipulating. He was performing. Now they're, like, not even – they're just, like, we're not going to give you anything, even if he's not performing anymore. Uh, it's, like, sort of like how the Boogie Cousins thing of where, like, Boogie would get extra technicals more than anyone else because he was so famous for just blowing up at refs yeah. that he could do something smaller and get a tech from other guys. They're not. I mean, they're not calling fouls. He's he's averaging three free throws a game. Last year, he averaged ten. That's a dramatic difference. So offensively, that's a dramatic difference we, from what it was. Can we look before. at his shot totals just quickly on the season? Because I just sure. want to see if he's like even shooting the ball anywhere near 
how how much how often he used to dive into the game logs. Yeah, let's get the game logs going. Um, Probably not great radio. Six, but. I mean, he's took yeah, he's taken sixteen shots, seventeen shots, and sixteen shots. Okay, he's 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 actually from three been like fairly okay. He shot four from eight from the first in the first game, three for seven in the second game, and two from eight against the Hornets, which obviously isn't that good, but like overall he's been fine. What's been happening to me? I mean, he still gets these numbers, right? He still scores about 20 points a game. He gets eight assists, about eight rebounds. He isn't controlling the game, though, like he did last year. And I do think that goes back to fouls. Like, he controls the game in a really unique way because defenders are become so terrified to actually guard him because he was so good at baiting them into fouls. And the more fouls they rack up, the less aggressive that they can be throughout the game. And he can continue to take advantage of them. And also, it, it really unlocks his step-back game if they're so scared to guard him up close. Like, if they're so scared to be up close to him defensively that they're always going to get... He, he's going to draw fouls off of them. They would give him extra space, and then he could do step-back threes. Now, he's shooting ball well from three, but I, there, my all this links back to one thing beyond the fouls, which is like, this team doesn't feel like it's in control on offense. No. In a firm way. It's like <clears throat> Kevin Durant is ascendant MVP level amazing play. He's been incredible. But beyond him, Harden has been iffy for Harden, for James Harden. And no one else from the from a role player standpoint has been consistent. Like Joe has had a good game, but he's also had bad games. LaMarcus Aldridge wasn't really heard from the first game. Had a great second game. It was fine the third. Like right now, there isn't the consistent third guy to go along with the top two. And if Harden's not playing at his peak, it's just, you talk about Reaganomics. It's this cascading effect of like, it kind of rolls down mm. off of Kevin Durant. I, I just don't really know like what our offense even is at the moment. Like I, there's no, yeah. there's not really a, been a time where I've been like, Oh, that's like everything. Like obviously we've talked about the, the Claxton Harden attempt at like making that like a big driving force, an engine of our offense. And that does not seem to be, that is a janky engine. That is not something you want to, you want to um, count on uh, day in, day out. And then the other solution is like, okay, just give it to like, just give the ball to KD and let him ISO and cook. And it's like, okay, well, that's one, you know, way of using KD. It's like, you know, obviously he's as, as good as there is out there uh, at that. So it's like somewhat effective, but can we think of something a little bit? Can, can we think of, can we get something else going? Um, yeah. I just feel like anytime that there's like an open um, Joe Harris three, it's like, Oh, that's sort of surprising. Like that's, it doesn't happen that often. Not as, not nearly as often as it seemed to last year. Um, so I don't know where like the, you know, there's sort of like low hanging fruit, but like the ball movement stuff, Mike, it's, it's not, uh, there's, there's some rust there. It appears it's and that kind of goes back to, and we talk, it's the standing around. It's like Harden running pick and roll with Nick Claxton, which is like not that good. Joe Harris isn't doing the JJ Reddick thing that we want, right? Mm, like no. that really hasn't been like Joe isn't JJ Reddick. Like, he, Joe hasn't really been like a, I'm going to run around a million screens and get open type dude. No. But also, he's very much waiting for the ball to get to him from a three-point perspective. And he's not driving as much as he used to. I mean, this is three games. So, like, you know, when you hear, as I'm saying these things, I feel like, you know, like, I don't want this to be written in stone. 
If anything, written in the sand. These, these the wind's going to blow quick this fixes. over. I mean, Patty Mills could be that guy. I mean, like, this is, we sort yeah. of talked about this last episode that, like, although I don't want Landry Shamit specifically back, like, ha- that type of player is something that we could probably use more of, of just, like, a, a, a fast wing who is more wanting to find a spot on the floor to shoot from. Um, yeah. Or, like, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, Jordan Poole. That's the, that's the comparison. Ooh, that's the, that's the one Jordan you want. So in in lieu of that, we don't we don't really have necessarily that, but like we have like the shorter guardy version of it in Javon Carter and Patty Mills. Uh, Patty probably more reliable than Javon. How are you feeling about Javon? By the way, got the start, got the start yesterday. I, I so Kevin Durant said something after the Sixers game, a win, the only win of the season, where he was like Javon's pressure on ball pressure was important for us, and so I'm holding that as like my nugget for why I'm I'm holding on to Javon Carter as like a role player here. And again, three games. But I, I also think like Bruce Brown's a better player overall. Like I think Bruce Brown has more impact in sort of these other areas. But Javon Carter's like distinctly like he does ball pressure and this team has sucked on defense for, you know, they're just not that good on defense. And if he can help that, that's fantastic. Nash is really figuring, like he's really got it. He's really trying to figure out the mix and what works and what system works. This system is not the same thing as what it was last year. Like, I, I think distinctly watching them play, as you said, it's much more like KD ISO heavy or pick and roll with Harden, but nothing off ball that's interesting. And, There's and, nothing interesting happening off ball. And nothing that compatible between those two guys. Like, it's either like James Harden's yeah. possession or KD's possession, which you'd, you'd, you'd like to see fixed a little bit, I think. Yeah, and and you like the ISO thing is like uh, this is Kevin Durant's stats so far this season: thirty three points, six assists, ten rebounds, and only two turnovers while having those six assists. He's shooting fifty six, basically fifty seven percent from the field, and only shooting thirty two percent from three. So like, yeah, maybe his two point shot goes down a little bit, but his three point shot's going to go up. So his efficiency is still going to be there. He's getting to the line six times a game and, you know, shooting well from there. Um, he's amazing. He's fantastic. But the thing about Duran is that, like, like he is so good by himself. And he can raise the team's floor up. But, he, I mean, he obviously needs James Harden to play better. Harden's not playing all that well. No. He just has a high volume. He's just shooting the ball 16 times a game. But he's not shooting it particularly well at all from two. He's shooting 39% from two. Um, and he's, he has six turnovers a game. Yeah. And those turnovers are like, like two at least a game are like not smart plays. And I feel like also like it's not um, like the optics aren't super duper different from last season. It's like the runner just isn't, there's not as much lift on it anymore, I guess. Or and not, I don't mean that to say that like, oh, he's diminished in his ability to like get lift on his run or whatever. It's just like not going in. And maybe it's just like, again, like the third game of the season and he's just not caring enough and not wanting it or want, not wanting it to go in enough, Mike. It could be. Yeah. It could be a matter of that. Um, I have no reason to believe that this is like a long term issue, though. I'm not I'm not ready to no. freak out yet, Mike. Well, for a guy classically who <laughs> has always had a little bit of a chubby, chubby belly. Uh, he always kind of comes in not optimal shape, mm-hmm. but he can play a ton of minutes and he's a flexible player. Like he, th- this is a very like early season vibe right now. And I do, th- and I, as 
We we used to talk about Chinese rust. Remember when we talked about Chinese rust? Yeah. So this is Kyrie rust, right? Mm. I think part of this is that the team must have had a plan in place to some degree that Kyrie was going to be a part of this team. Like even if you know they they maybe were like 50-50 of whether he was going to they thought he was going to get the shot right before media day. Yeah. They had an reportedly they had an appointment for Kyrie to get the shot. Marks before media day was speaking pretty consistently that he was confident that everyone on the team was going to get the shot. That leads to that they probably had a pretty clear plan of how they were going to play Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden. They get Past media day, Kyrie half practices with the team, half doesn't, right? So even at that point, there's sort of indecision. I'm sure there were conversations between Marks and Nash saying, like, you know, we may just, like, tell Kyrie not to show up anymore until he gets the shot. I think that's maybe the best game plan. But Nash is still preparing for a season with maybe half a Kyrie. And then they tell Kyrie not to show up anymore. And then they shoot into the season against the NBA championship Bucks. <clears throat> play poorly they beat the 76ers and then they you know lose a a 4 p.m sunday matchup mm. against the feisty hornets so like yeah. we're we are both overrating and um underrating no we're we're just taking temperatures we're sticking that thermometer up the butt of the nets <laughs> it's and, a, uh it's a th- and you know that it's that, a rectal that thing i said about landry because they every doctor says the rectal is the most accurate so that's what we do here they, uh, it is a popular one um and the thing I said about Landry Shamit, I'll never speak of again as soon as Kyrie comes back because that's obviously the way better version of of any of that. Um, so that quells a lot of problems. He should come back and play basketball, Mike. He should. That would be better. Yeah. That would be best. Do you know how good this team would be if they had Kyrie Irving? Would be a lot because I would just you know like as and, and and I think it does his absence as kind of fraud as the reason is it does increase the appreciation for Kyrie. Doesn't it's, it? It's increased my awareness of ta- of touch football for sure. It's definitely made me more <laughs> aware of the touch football scene than I ever have been. The voiceless adult. touch football players. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've never been been more keyed into what's going on in touch football. Let's do this. Let's let's take a quick break. Mm-hmm. Coming back, many more net stakes, including let's take a, a peek at some of the role players and how we think roles are being developed in real time during the season. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back, Brian. <clears throat> oh, good to be back. I kind of want to take your rectal temperature of each uh, role player on the Nets. Come on in. Because like, as much as you can focus on Durant is excellent, Harden is not there yet. I think the most sort of, like, I don't know what's concerning, but the more important thing is what is actually happening with the role players in this team. Who's achieving, who's going above expectations, and who's riding in below expectations. So I'm going to do a very simple, and this is probably going to pretty easily sort it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go by minutes per game. Okay. Who would you guess is third in minutes per game, and who would you guess is fourth on the Nets? Durant and Harden, obviously, one and two. Uh, oh, this is going to kind of be tough and weird because I actually don't have an immediate person. Because, like, I would say just by virtue of how much we've talked about him, how focused we've been, like Claxton, but he gets gassed and he doesn't play fourth quarters. So I, I don't think Claxton it's get- is eighth in yeah. minutes. <laughs> I was going to say, on I, don't this think team. I don't think it's him. I was like, Javon Carter? Or, I mean, like, who is Javon's five? Okay. That's really good. Joe Harris, three. Yeah. Was, that, that felt easy. Patty but- Mills. Yeah. Patty Mills is playing 30 minutes a game. And I guess that's like a lot of like he's getting more more minutes because of Kyrie. Obviously, Patty had an awesome game one. He's been pretty good so far this season, but um, he's getting 30 minutes a game. So it breaks down like this. Joe Harris, 31 minutes. Patty Mills, 30. Javon Carter, 23. Mm-hmm. Blake Griffin, 21. And he obviously sat against the Hornets. Uh, LaMarcus is getting 20 minutes a game. Nicholas Claxton, 20, 19.7, 20 minutes mm-hmm. a game. But then it's like Bruce Brown because he didn't play, but then he played a bunch. Yeah. Last night, uh, Paul Millsap, James Johnson, and then your your trio of Cam, Bembry, and Dayron not really playing basketball. Got it. Um. Yeah. I mean. I mean. Just going through that list. Obviously, Joe Harris is still not super duper making shots. Um. Which is the thing he's supposed to be? I had a, we we talked about this take I've been workshopping, Mike. Where I think uh, <laughs> the way for Joe Harris to improve on his game, if he's looking for ways to do it, and I'm sure he is because he's a gamer. Um, I was thinking that it would be helpful if he could actually extend his range a little bit um, because he is. Um, I think he's maxed out in terms of his like taking people off the dribble ability. Obviously, we've talked about he's more than just a three point shooter, Mike. He can he can get to the hoop. Um, and that's all fine and dandy. I don't think that there's a ton of like more um, adornments you can put on that at this point. But I would like him to get a little bit further out, get into that Damian Lillard like forty foot territory of shooting threes. Obviously, that would be like you know pretty spectacular range. But like I'm just saying, a couple more steps back, I think it'll really open things up for him um, because I think people have scouted him super duper heavily now, and that's where he's getting a lot of his friction from. Um, I, I think there's like the this the story is out on Joe Harris. Everyone knows how to guard him at this point. Yeah, and if you imagine a Joe Harris three. It's either that he's like wide open from three or his like or his thumb toe. Yeah. His big toe is like like a centimeter off the line. Yeah. Right. He's right. There. And so it and and that's like a really well defended part of the floor typically. And, and like so are we criticize he's shooting 39 percent from three. Now for Joe Harris, that's not that good. But for the rest of the NBA, that's like pretty good. Right. Um, 
I agree with you that it opens up like as silly as it is, like take longer threes, like take longer threes. Like, yeah. I think they need, I think Nash needs to set it up a little bit more to think about getting Joe Harris looks actually kind of getting the ball in his hands a little bit. So it's not just that Joe's only taking open threes or threes off screens is that at least the ball is in his hands a bit more that he's more in the flow of the offense. The defender at least recognizes that he has to kind of guard a dribble. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if you're forcing uh, a defender actually guard a dribble at times, Joe's two, two point. We should just change our podcast to the two point percentage because Mm -hmm. I think that's really where we are bread and butter. Mm -hmm. Joe over his career has actually been very, and this kind of goes back to, he's more than a three point shooter. He's been a very good driver of the basketball to the hoop. He's been very crafty at when not to take the three, but then go to the hoop for an open layup. This year, he's shooting, so far, 36% from two. And that's basically like if he shot, if he made another bucket from two, that percentage shoots way up to like 50%. Mm-hmm. So that's, a, that's two points he's leaving on the floor. It's not massive. He's leaving another three on the floor. So he's leaving about five points because of how off he is off of his averages. Um, and he's also like not really shooting. He's only, he's not really, he never shoots free throws. He never has because he doesn't drive really on, in that way. Mm-hmm. He just, you know, you wanted to see Joe Harris light the world on fire mm. after the playoffs. You wanted to. You had wanted a good, to. Had a good it's preseason. He had a nice preseason. But how much do we blame Joe for that? Like, I, I actually think it is because of what we talked about. I think the offense, there's just a lack of movement. There's a lack of identity. There's not a, a full system. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it feels very much like those guys are feeling their way through it still, which is fine. Yeah. I'm acceptable. Um, but if I'm Steve Nash, there's one guy on the team outside of Harden and Durant that, like, can consistently put up the 15 to 18 that you want. And it's Joe Harris. Everyone else, it's like Patty Mills is going to have some games where like he probably doesn't score just because of his age, and he's like that. Mm-hmm. He's, he's still got that vet mode mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but I don't know. I I will say I don't think the 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 Joe Harris haters have been quieted. If anything, they're out there with the anti vaxxers They're out there. They're out there in force for sure. I've I've been seeing them. Yeah, I mean, like you know, I guess I just. Um, Trying to think of ways to like knock us out of it. There's a couple of nice moments in the Hornets game where we were doing like James Harden outlet passes to there's a couple of like KD breaks, which were fun. I actually didn't like, I never think of him as a dude who's like good on the break, but he's really, he's just so tall and like fast that it's, <laughs> he, he just like dunks out. It was amazing um, watching it sort of up close. But um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know outside of like our core identity, which like we, I guess we still have yet to find out. Like, I'm just trying to think of like ways to, to mitigate the issue. Um, but uh, I guess all in all, I can't be too worried because eventually Harden will put up a 40, 20, 20 night, probably tonight, actually, Mike, could be. Um, you you asked me about Javon Carter. Give me your Javon Carter thoughts. I like what Javon represents at the moment, but I don't know that his execution on it is super um, effective at the moment. So, like, he's like dogged guard defender, bro. I think I thought he did well, mostly against LaMelo. Um, what he, he he is your Joe Manchin like you like that he represents sort of uh like middle of the road like he he represents what should be negotiation right but in fact he isn't that like no, yeah. he really isn't that he just wants coal like that's they're also from <laughs> yeah. West Virginia they're both 
you know, yes, West true. Virginia boys. So. And he is currently presently looking for his shot too much at a time where like it, when he is, when he is sharing a court with Kevin Durant and James Harden, he, he really should only be shooting the most, the, the choicest, most openest of threes um, around. And he kind of lost sight of that at times uh, on the, in that Hornets game, especially at like pivotal moments where um, the situation was a little bit dicey. And he was like calling his own number in a way that was like, this is not this is not the future for you, Javon. Um, but in the moments where he's like, if if he was able to play the role which he was brought in for, I think he'd be awesome. Like just like sort of third guard who kind of can be, you know, of the Pat Beverly mold. If you have you know a good matchup for it, um, that would be ideal. But like him as a starting point guard is that that ain't it. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean he's he's taking three threes a game and hitting less than one of them yeah. a game. Yeah. Um. Now, like, uh, I'm going to do this again. Three games in, percentages are going to go up. They're going to progress back to the mean. Mm. But um, the the Pitbull-style defense is only going to get you so far throughout a long regular season if he's not hitting shots. I do like him, though. Like, I, I think that he, I, he is, as much as maybe we lament uh, and miss Landry Shamit's sort of water bug style of offense, the way he runs around and is active. I think overall, long-term, the Javon Carter Bulldog defense will be more... Instead of, I want Bulldog over water bug. You they're know very, what I'm saying? They're very similar, though. In, the, I, in both of their cases, Javon and Landry, I like, I'm more like what they represent than what they're actually giving me. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, sort, of, that's sort of the effect. But there's still a lot of time to find... Um, my love energy for Javon Carter, which I I maintain is still quite possible. Yeah, like if he has a twelve point game where he's four for five from three, and that's like the that is the huge difference in a win. Yeah, everyone's gonna fall in love with him, and that that will be the the ultimate Javon Carter game. Let's talk about someone that you're absolutely in love with, Brian and I. Uh, we were on the Twitch for the Seventy mm. Sixers game, watching it live with the peeps. And uh, Brian and I were joking about how much Brian used to hate LaMarcus Aldridge and how you you fell in love with him. He was your Jude Law in the movie The Holiday. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> he showed you up rented, to my house. You rented a Cotswold cabin from some strange woman and <laughs> yeah. he, was bla- he was blacked out. Great recall of the plot of The Holiday. I've, I've thought about that movie a lot, actually. My my sisters watched it a lot growing up and I was just, I always have thought that it was an insane premise for like a meet cute that some guy turns up at in the middle of the night to your house blacked out and you're like, this guy's cute. I'm going to have a one night stand with him tonight. Yeah. Think about it, though. Yeah. Jude Law was... At that time, yeah, he Jude was, Law, he was he was in fuego, a beautiful person in fuego. I I watched uh, the holiday very recently because it is an important movie. It is important. Not good drunk acting. No, he no the whole he thing. He basically just showed up. Yeah, and it w- was not inebriated at all, and lingered. I'm also I'm also obsessed with Jack Black's character in it, which is a off-putting, Wild. off-putting person, a person for whom you just pity and 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 say like, oh, what a weird, what a weird aw shucks kind of guy that is. Um, <laughs> and I, it's a, it's, I love that the, like that um, Cameron Diaz gets Jude Law. Yeah. <laughs> no offense. Okay, let's recreate no, this. This we should moment. not go too deep into this. So the 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 Kate Winslet coming off the Titanic. Yeah. 
is pitched. Nancy Myers comes to her and says, Kate, I have a role for you. And Kate's like, finally, something, yeah. something kind of easy to play. She reads the script. Oh, love this this role, this woman who goes from L.A. to England. Love it. Great. England to L.A. in her case. England. No, no. This for, is, Kate, for Cameron Diaz. She I goes, know. Yeah, okay. She doesn't know Cameron Diaz is attached yet. Oh, Kate got gets it, attached got it. first. I see. I see. And she says, I love this woman. I'll do an American accent, but like I get to film in England where I'm from. She said, no, no, no. You're not going to play that role. She said, who's playing that role? Cameron Diaz. Who's Cameron going to – who's the love interest? Jude Law. She gets excited. Wow, Jude hot, Law. Hot couple. Hot couple. So who do I get? A young Chris Pine? Who do I get? Yeah. Uh, Jack Black. Yeah. Jack Black from Tenacious D? Wait. So yeah. I'm supposed to be like the ugly assistant from – Right. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, the, I'm Bridget I'm Jones. Rose. I'm Bridget Jones. I'm – Rose, okay. I'm not some <laughs> ugly assistant who's for a uh, f- forlorn for another lover. Yeah. No. And I don't fall in love with Jack Black. Who do I get to hang out with? A bunch of old Jewish guys. Yeah. The whole and, movie. And they're also yeah. like, well, is like, does Jack Black get a makeover? Is he's like, no, he just he wears airwalks. He's you know he's still dirty. He's you know he smells brilliant. <laughs> <That's laughs> but somehow a... he has beautiful women falling for him. Classic. He hey. has a beautiful girlfriend, and then he falls for you. Roger that. We it's did a great it. Movie. We did it. Um, good pitch Lamarcus Aldridge um I I so confess to having been slow to find I also am still like on the fence with Lamarcus in general about how it's going to contribute to like w- winning basketball games more broadly but I will say for our sort of early stagnant offense it is kind of warm and cozy to have Lamarcus Aldridge just pocketing these uh these mid-range jumpers when when nothing else is going on it's it's just sort of a fun it's him just shooting darts out there at the pub you know it's it's like a (laughs) it's a fun vibe (laughs) because that's that's sort of his posture that he does it to um (laughs) so great that's a great comparison he it's uh, a very still like most of his body is still but his arms right you know (laughs) it's It's just Just sticking them, <laughs> and uh, they go. They hit the bullseye. Man. They really do. He's locked in. That that thing is auto. Um. So like I, you know, if if other things were going well, I, it would be less. Um. It would be less fun. But since things are not going well, having him just just go out there and 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 plug those or is is like working or it's one of very few things that's working. Um. It's not a it's not a long term solution. I don't think so. This this uh this take has an expiration date on it probably. Well. It's a it's a very odd thing for a super team to have a guy of this caliber, right? This this I mean he scored as he said himself, I've made I've scored 19,000 points on mid-range jumpers. Yeah. You know, like they're not going out of style for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh it's very odd to have an accomplished scorer of his level and of his particular set of skills, his Liam Neeson particular set of skills, mm. which is he's 6'11 but just shoots as you say the dart mid-range jumper yeah it's not post up i mean he can post up but that's not really even what he does anymore it's just he floats from eight feet to 15 waits for the ball and hits it yeah and that is a semi devastating weapon it's a gatling gun if you will i'm not really gatling guns not really are pretty devastating back in the day you ever see that uh maybe the last samurai <laughs> not to not to derail us again that's is that tom cruise it's tom cruise <laughs> And he's no, like, I never saw it. The end of the movie is just like ga- they, they just roll out a gallon gun and just like mow down all the like samurai guys. It's pretty damn. Yeah, it's pretty ruthless. Life comes yeah. at you fast. Yeah, big time, <laughs> big time. Um, and so it 
it's a nice it's a nice weapon to have when like Harden is if he's operating at efficiency and Kevin Durant is absolutely the devastating offensive force he is. If you just have a big six eleven dude just popping Zogaska sing mm. mid range jumpers in from all over the floor. I thought his defense was better than like his defense against Embiid. There was, was moments. Better. There were some real moments there. It, it was really like the glow up Jared Dudler defensive style. Yeah. The potato sack defense. And that's all we've been wanting is just a big body to lean on Embiid and kind of make him uncomfortable. And an he option. had moments at the end of the 76ers game where he stopped, stopped Embiid. Yeah. In his tracks, Michael. And Nick Claxton isn't doing that. I think we should talk about lot, two more role players and okay. wrap up the show. Okay. Temperature, Nick Claxton. This is a tough one, Mike. This this is not a glow up. This is not the glow up that we wanted. Um, he's been, and we talked about this on the stream. Like it, it is hard to overstate just how not how little basketball fifty games is, and that's what he's played at this point. Um, and now he's being thrown in playing starter centers. Um, it's a tough gig, and he is uh, having a time, Mike. He is having a hard time of it. Um, I also haven't seen him like. I guess maybe he hasn't been put in a ton of positions to thrive in like the switchy moments. He got like roasted a few times by like LaMelo ball in those situations. Um, so uh, I don't know. I, I am um, obviously slow start to the season. Not don't get carried away, whatever. Um, I think like he's maybe being tasked with too much. And I, and I don't know what this, like the long-term what the what why we're doing that to him right now because <laughs> it's because it's could like uh make his confidence waver um but also it could be like affecting his trade value if that's the direction that we want to go and like I'm, I'm sure that's the direction you're about to go because that's that's where you've got trade brain yeah I, it's just kind of disappointing that he's not in better shape and i don't know if that's because he has had knee injuries over his time he did have covid like in the spring and he really wasn't the same post covid so i don't really know like obviously we know the effects of the long-term effects of COVID-19 for some people. So I don't want to be too hard on his conditioning. Like it could be something was, I don't want to in college. Was his conditioning ever a thing? Like, did it ever come up? Was that a thing? No, but, but also I, there is an element of that. Like he was so skinny and athletic in college. You play, obviously sh- there's fewer minutes that you're playing during a game. He's been adding weight to try to be a bigger player. Now he's not like huge, but he's probably added like 20 pounds since he's joined the NBA. I'll tell you from my point of view, I've I've lost eight pounds hey. over two months ish. And I, I feel spry. You feel like spry. I, I'm like, you're ready to go could, up. Yeah. I could jump, you know, out of a second story building and, and feel great. I don't know why that would be the thing yeah. that well, I would don't, choose well, to don't do. Don't do that, Mike. Don't do that. But I won't do that. But, and kids, if you're listening at home, uh, don't do it either. But, the he just looks he doesn't look locked in he looks confused uh i do like that nash has admitted and has said this and we've talked about this before we said this before steve nash said it himself which is that he is putting nick claxton out there to learn and grow even if it's not producing the best result they need nick claxton to be better by the end of the season and the only way that's going to happen is if he plays against Giannis and Joel Embiid. Um, I think they're going to start shifting him more and more. Like in the 76ers win, I think he played like he didn't play the whole 
most of the whole second half. He played like the start of the third quarter. He, he got yoinked. And then we didn't see him again. He got yoinked big time. And that partly had to do with Marcus Aldridge playing so well, mm-hmm. but he wasn't playing basketball. And he's, again, averaging eight. He's eighth in minutes on this team for a team where he's starting every game. Mm-hmm. That's unusual. Um, so we need a bit more from him. Uh, lastly, Bruce Brown. What a what a weird yeah. wild ride it's been. Yeah, uh, with with our our beloved Bruce, he needs to be playing more. He, he just like, does. It's just like a like even if it wasn't effective, which it is effective, it's like symbolically useful. It's like it's just a, yeah. it's just makes me it makes everyone feel good, you know, and that's important, Mike. Well, when he fits, like we talk about this with Marcus Aldridge, where Marcus fits in that mid range area that just isn't defended in the NBA all that much anymore. Mm-hmm. He that's his area too, Bruce Brown. And he's pretty effective on his floaters, and he he's he's he'll get like one or two sneaky offensive rebound dunks or being in the right spot in a game that really kind of hurts a defense, and he does that. And like, yeah, he's never going to score twenty points a game. I just like the places he fits on the floor, and he should be playing more. He should be. They should be getting comfortable with him, seeing if his three point shot is better than it was last year. He's only taken three attempts and he's hit one of them. Yeah, not amazing, but he needs to play more. He does need to play more, and I don't fully understand. Um, I mean, there's a Nash quote about like how much do you balance experimenting with um, like what you know like works, and that was followed pretty quickly by talking about Bruce Brown. So I think. If I could read between the lines, that's sort of where he's talking about. Like, we know, like, Bruce is sort of a known quantity, but right now, like, early in the season, we want to experiment with this Nick Nick Claxton jank. Um, I feel like that experiment is, I don't know how many more reps we need to see that that's not super duper going to work, but I, I don't know. Probably not, probably not, maybe two or three more games, Mike, and then we can we can do a little swipper, swatch, switch, switcheroo there, Mike. Well, let's, let's. End the show here, but quickly before we do it, you know, we're recording on a Monday and the Nets play the Wizards tonight. So things may look differently. Spencer Dinwiddie's return to Brooklyn. Um, Here's what the Nets have coming up. They have five home games in a row. This is a nice mix. Wizards, Heat, Pacers, Pistons, Hawks. There is the bottom of the East, the middle of the East, and the top of the East. Those are all games of which we're going to get a really good gauge of what this team is. The Nets, if they don't <laughs> beat the teams at the bottom, and one of the te- like, if they don't do well, this pressure of like Kyrie Irving, what's going to happen with him? Should they trade him to get something now to help this team? Is he going to get the shot? That's going to increase. Mm-hmm. If they do well in these next five games, we won't really talk about Ky- uh, Kyrie Irving. Durant was asked last night after the Hornets loss about like, do you want Kyrie to basically save you guys? And he's like, no, like we're, we don't need him to come save us. You know, we want Kyrie to play, but like, we're not acting like we're not waiting for him to arrive on a white horse. Mm. Not his exact quote, but the gist. Yeah. Um. So very interesting next five games, Brian. Mm. Important and important. And they're all at home. <laughs> so the anti-vaxxers will be on full force. Yes. Even on a Monday, you think, Mike? And on a Monday. Are we going to get right, I mean, it's the weekend schedule? It's the weekend time. You know, after be, they do their Is there going to be an ice storm? Is that is that on the on the Doppler for today? Uh I'll, the G, the NAN and the GFS <laughs> both predict yeah. uh anti-vaxxer ice storms coming in. Love it. Um Mike, get us out of here. Thank you all so much for listening. Apologies, I guess that the ep- it was a dark episode, Brian. Dark episode. Yeah. 
Was it? I thought it was kind of funny. The the, the, the no, not the that holiday funny. breakdown. The holiday, <laughs> the holiday breakdown was a moment. We almost did it again with the last samurai, but then realized that that was actually kind of a dark, you know, a dark turn. Um, I need to. Yeah, I need to. You haven't, you haven't watched in a while. As I just need to watch. Yeah, it's been a while um, for you. But with the last uh, duel, but thank you all. You see Dune? so much for listening. What's that? I was gonna see. We'll take it offline, but I was gonna see if you see seen Dune yet. I'm wearing. I think I may go to a theater wow, and see it. A theater, beautiful. Maybe tomorrow night. Gorgeous. Um, yeah, because they they say. Did you see it? I did. I didn't go to a theater. Watch it. Did naked in my bed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I plan to be naked at the theater, yeah. sir. <laughs> Good. Smart. Um, thank you all so much for listening. If you want to be a subscriber to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash glue guys. 33% off an annual subscription. Get it for a gift. It's holiday mm. season soon. I don't know if we're going to have a Black Friday type deal. Sometimes we have a holiday deal, so maybe hold tight. But think about it as a good gift to give someone. It's a really – and if you do our – our URL, it really helps us out. Mm. We don't get money, but we get we get kudos. And you know, and I don't. That's need all money. we need. That's all we need. It's not. It's all about the kudos for us. Thanks, guys. Right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.